jacket just so you know i'll i can leave that so, in for the, authenticity I was, sake but i was leaning back in my chair and then i leaned forward to pay, pay it and that's all that was and, and my and my chair squeaked wow so basically it, it's like jamie summers in bionic woman <laughs> over there you can just hey please and please don't please don't leave, use that laugh uh, I, and i for sure will i'll bleep this name i love you but i love this guy's laugh so Nah, 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 nah. <laughs> anyway, so I want to make sure it's important to me that people understand the conversation, just like Ben Johnson values Jared Goff, not wondering why. I want to value the listeners. So I'm the third party that we're talking to. So let me set up their listening, and then you and I talk. This is what you're going to hear. You're going to hear an episode from two weeks ago where we just kind of, there was nothing to find about the Lions that day. And so we just kind of go off into topics that ended up being about danger. And then as I'm editing it, I call David. There's some stuff that came up during this that we didn't talk about. So we want to talk about. So you're going to hear an episode from two weeks ago. And then you're going to hear today, this thing that you're listening to right now with me and David, where we jump in. So we're going to comment on the episode we recorded two weeks ago. And as David said, we can call this a rainy day episode. It may end up being two, depending on how long it is. And that's it. Enjoy the episode. I don't know why I thought you would bail on the call tonight, but maybe it's because I was tired. I don't know. I, w I was a little tired, too, but uh, I'm down for the cause. <laughs> okay. Well, have we started? Yeah, we started. I actually looked up, you and I talked about this, to have Alliance fact and then go into the other parts of the call. I don't, this is the Alliance fact I have for you. Oh, no. Everybody is so desperate for content. I just saw an article predicting the keys to the Lions beating the Kansas City Chiefs in three and a half months. Wow. They got nothing, man. I'm ready for the season to start, but, you know, I've said that a thousand times, but I'm just trying to soak up this good feeling that we all have. Uh, a competitive team, a team that is projected to be a playoff team. I, I'm just ready, as we all are. All right. Well, here, there's the Lions stuff, because there's just, we're digging. I do have something to talk about. And I mentioned this to you about jury duty. I love that show, man. I just, and I got so sentimental at the end when he finds out that he's been, the show wasn't really about him, that everyone was actors. Uh, he looked around at everyone. They were just smiling and they were happy. They were excited because he's really turned out to be just a sweet guy. He befriended people that were like sort of odd, you know, and, and I was saying to you, it, the show could have gone another way. Like what if he, they must have really vetted that guy to be able to get a guy that in the end turned out to be sort of like a stand-up individual, right? Yeah, he was a stand-up individual. He turns at the, the bailiff and he goes, 
you're, so you're not a real police officer? And she goes, no, I'm not a real police officer. It was so sweet. And then I loved, like, it looked like they kind of stayed somewhat friends. I bet they probably drifted after a while, but it seems like they might stay friends. And I, I thought that was sort of inspiring. Well, I liked it. And I believe that they might have, I mean, by those photos. But guess how long those people were sequestered? How long? Guess. I would say maybe a week. 23 days. That's a long time. That's a long time. So, you know, I talked about editing. I remember the show was over. I'm like, I could have used 12 more episodes. They had 23 days. Why didn't they? And they only chose to make those eight half-hour episodes. I feel like there was so much more that could have been done. Matter of fact, did you watch any of the scenes that they didn't use? I, th- I don't think I did. I went through, like, they showed stills at the end where they were on, like, a, a Ferris wheel or a roller coaster together or some sort of fair. This is one scene that I saw, and I'm like, well, w- were there a hundred more like this? Couldn't you have made five more episodes? Uh, Marsden, who David... I thought he was such a good sport playing an egotistical actor. Yes. I really like that dude. I wish he lived near here. I'd love to be his friend. He seems so <laughs> awesome. Uh, Marsden is standing up trying to get out of jury duty because he's going to cause a scene. And the judge, they're improving. The judge goes, let me tell you something. Do you know who John Ratzenberger is? And I'm like, what? The- Do you know who John Ratzenberger is, by the way? Yes. Who's John Ratzenberger? From Cheers. Right. So what a, what a bizarre name to bring up because this guy is not an actual judge. He goes, do you know who John Ratzenberger is? And Marsden like looks at him. He's Cliff from Cheers. John Ratzenberger sat on my jury for 14 days, blah, blah, this kind of jury. So if John Ratzenberger can do it, you can do it. I'm like, that is just magnificent improv. I don't know what to say. That was just a masterclass in improv that that judge came up with that. Now, did you know that that judge was actually an attorney, a retired attorney? At the end, I saw that. Yeah, yeah. All right, so this is one I want to pose to you. It's interesting. It's kind of a cross between the Truman Show and the game. But much like the game, I was kind of disappointed with the ending. The first thing is that they're giving this person money. It feels like a payoff. I love Field of Dreams. It was poetry. It was poetry. But at the end, as James Earl Jones and his mellifluous voices intoning, and they will come. What was his name? Ray. They will come, Ray. They will most definitely come. And they'll pay $25 a head. I'm like, why? Why do you have to talk about how much they're going to pay? It just felt icky, like at the end, okay, we've been teasing you and and messing with you for seven episodes, although it really wasn't teasing and messing, but we've been fooling you for sure. Now we're going to give you $100,000 because you were a stand-up guy. Doesn't that feel odd to you? It didn't feel odd to me. I felt like for everything that he went through, to be sequestered for as long as he was, to have to put up with, like, they're sort of tugging at him, trying to get responses from him they're manipulating him so if they were to just say well that's it uh that was the show see you later go now time for you to go it's sort of a reward i i thought it was great i thought it didn't cheapen it for me at all you know what was great it was like when that weird guy who wanted to be an inventor came into his room like he was friendly towards him 
when the other guy who was pretending to like not really have anything to go home to, he wanted to stay longer and he went outside to talk to him and they hugged at the, like he, whatever vetting they did to find that guy, they picked the right guy and, and went at the end when they revealed they were all actors and then the camera sort of, they cut and they go behind the scenes where you see the, all the crew working behind the scenes. They just started hugging each other. They pulled together a great show. He thought the guy was guilty in the beginning and then they all went the other way for not. It was just, I thought it was great. You're right. I could have watched a couple of more episodes of that show. Did you think it was a little forced? The guy opened 11, like even in 12 Angry Men, he opened like seven before he got a not guilty. This, they, this time they opened 11 votes. <laughs> and the last one. Maybe a little. Yeah. You know, maybe a little. It, was, it felt a little forced. But all in all, a really interesting show. Especially coming from, you know, uh, I don't know if we revealed that I have just come off uh, jury duty. And just like that show, there were like three guys that we kind of became friends because we kind of all sat together. We didn't go to lunch together, but we were all sort of, for the few days, you know, we just talked to each other. And then when it was over, the guy, we all kind of stood in the hallway and we were like, well, all right, have a have a good life, you know, and that was it. Like, we just said goodbye, and I'll probably never see those guys again. But we just, we went through something for three days. That's the end of 12 Angry Men, too, and he asks, what's your name? Mine's McArdle. Well, see ya, and they go off to their lives. But now, Dave, you tell these people who are listening besides me, because I know, you tell them what kind of trial you were on. It was a murder trial. It never went to trial, but it was like, the way they, the way they positioned it was like, if you feel that your life is in danger, is it okay to use lethal, deadly force? If you felt like your life was in danger. And then the, the prosecutor was weird. She said, if you're going somewhere, you're in a rush, you have to go back into your house to grab something you forgot. Do you just go in there mindlessly grabbing things or are you really thinking about what you want? What you want and what you want to use it for? Apparently, this young guy had a had a gun illegally, and maybe he used it. But in the end, he took a plea bargain, and it never went to trial. You were almost a juror on a murder trial. I've never known anyone in any way who was associated with a murder trial. And I, I one of the stories I love that you told when we talked about this was the story of having seen that person when you were young breaking into the house across or the garage across the street. You remember that? Oh yes. So I, I, I was uh, home from uh, school and I, from the kitchen, I could see a few houses down the, the backyard, their garages. And I saw this guy just hammering away at the side of the garage door, trying to get into the, to the garage. I grabbed my phone and I called the police and I said, Hey, I gave him the address you know, I see a guy, he's trying to break into the garage a uh, couple of houses down. I could see him from my window. I'm watching him right now. And they were like, well, we're going to send a car right out. And a uh, police car came out and they grabbed the guy. They, they arrested him. I was like, well, I guess that's that's that. And then I watched the police officer handcuff the guy, lead him from the backyard 
and walked towards my house. And I was like, whoa, what is going on here? And they walk, he's walking down the street. He comes up the driveway with the suspect in handcuffs. He walks up my driveway. I come out of the house and he goes, is this the guy you saw trying to break into that neighbor's yard? And I, he looked up at me and he had the most, he, he, he had this just sort of mean scowl on his face. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's that's the guy. And then he goes, all right, thanks a lot. And he just sort of let him out of the uh, down the driveway. And I was like, wow, I guess I'm involved in this case now. I guess this guy knows who I am. I never thought they would do that. I wish I knew enough about law to know which and how many laws they broke doing that. Because there's just no way that's legal. There's just no way. I mean, I was like, the guy knows where I live now. The guy knows I am. Well, and that's my point. Like, I asked you. Were you scared? Would you have been able to render a fair decision here, no matter what it was? And that's the example you gave. That guy's staring at you with a mean look, and you still said, yeah, that's the guy. You just have to put all that aside. You know, like it was a, it was really interesting being a part of that process, you know. That story about picking up that girl, and then the second girl, too. We never really delved into that story. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Do yeah. you, you want to tell it? Do you want to see where it goes if you talk about it or not really? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. The, what Marshall's talking about, I, someone needed a ride, a stranger needed a ride, and I gave, gave a, a, a person a ride back to there. They were standing at a bus stop late at night i want you to take these people through this moment because like i think a lot of people are like me and they would never pick up a hitchhiker pull out of my driveway and and i'm sort of waiting for this woman to sort of she's walking in front of my car i'm sort of waiting for her to pass and it's drizzle it's it's starting to rain and she's pushing a, a stroller a baby stroller and uh she just sort of walks by i pull out of the driveway and as i'm turning i hear Hey, she sort of yells for me and I put on uh, my brakes and she walks over to the car and she says, hi, uh, I'm sorry, I don't normally do this. But I stay too long at my friend's apartment and it got dark and now it's starting to rain. I was wondering if you could take me to down the street. It was just it wasn't far to a covered bus stop. So it's not raining on me or my baby. I thought, like, well, she's got that little kid. I should. You had no spidey sense that said, "Don't do this." I don't know. I think I did. It was. I felt nervous for sure. I go, "Well, get in. I'll take you to the bus bus stop, the enclosed bus stop." She got in. She got in with her child, and she put her in the back seat. Did you get a glimpse of the child? Did you actually make sure there wasn't a, a doll in that ba- in that kid? Yes, I, yes, I saw the baby. Okay. She seemed relieved immediately when she got in the car, and I said, "Listen, what you're doing is dangerous. You don't know me. You don't know who I am, and you have a kid." And she goes, "Well, you just seemed you just seemed to have this bright light around you and like someone I could trust." So I turned I turned left and I took her to this down the street to this covered bus stop and and I, I pull up to the the bus stop and she, and I go here you go and she and and it was raining and she goes okay well 
thanks. And I said, well, where do you live? And she goes, I live on West Grand Boulevard. I think she gave me the address. She goes, I'll tell you where it is. I go, well, I'll take it to your, instead of dropping you off here because it was late, I'll take it to your house. And she goes, great, that's great. She didn't say, oh, no, no, I couldn't ask you to do that. There was none of that? I don't believe it was. And you, and, and at that point, you felt like you could trust her, like you felt like you were safe. Well, she had a baby. Like, how 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 threatening could a woman be with a baby? I have a feeling there are some stories that you wouldn't want to hear where the last thought is, but she had a baby. So here, so, so I, I drive, we're driving and, uh, and she's sort of telling me where to go. We get to West Grand Boulevard. I remember that. And she goes, you have to make a right here. And so I, um, pulled up, I didn't tell you this Marshall. I pulled up to the front of her building and then she said, no, you need to pull around to the back. Oh boy. And I said, okay. Now what happened to you? Anything, any spidey senses at that point? I can't remember. I think I got a little nervous, but I, I don't, I, I said, okay. So I drove, she goes down this alley. Down and this I pulled alley. Down, <laughs> I, I drove around and I, I drove around to the back of the apartment building that it was down this alley. And she goes, yeah, this door is always unlocked. And she goes, well, thank you so much. She gets out of the car. She grabs her child. And I go, again, you know, this is super dangerous. You know, you don't know who I am. I could have been anyone. And she said, she said, you just look like a nice person. You had like this glow around you. And I thought it was, I thought it was pretty safe to, to ask you for a lift to the bus stop or whatever. And then she got out of the car and she left and she get, went into her apartment or, or the apartment. And that was that. Not quite that was that. Tell us about five days later. So about a few days later, yeah, about five days later, I'm sitting in my apartment. I'm working late. It's about like 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And I hear my my buzzer goes off in my apartment, the door buzzer. And it's super loud because, and it's late at night, and that normally doesn't happen. So it, it startled me. I go, who's ringing my buzzer at this time of the night? And all of a sudden, I got this really just sinking feeling in, in the pit of my stomach. And uh, wait a second, I, I, I need to back up. A few days later, I'm going to my my uh, mailbox outside the front of my house. And she, I hear her uh, a voice go, hey. And I look up and it's the same woman. And she goes, she's back at that same apartment. It's a few days later. She goes, I was... Um, visiting my friend. I just want to say thank you again for giving me the lift or whatever. And I go, oh, that's that's fine. And I I just got a weird feeling. I got my mail. And she goes, you live right in this building, right? And I go, yeah. She goes, uh, David, right? And I go, yeah, da- David Hughes. She goes, oh, okay. Well, thanks again for giving me the lift. Then I go back in my apartment. I, didn't, then, I never heard this part. Go yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. So a few days later, like I said, I was working late. So this is already, that was a few days later too. So this yeah. was like so three I, days after that, and then it's three yeah, more yeah. days. Yes. So I get this, the, the buzzer goes off in my apartment. It's late at Hold night. Hold on. I'm so sorry to interrupt you. And now what are you feeling or thinking? It's the second I, time she said it. Well, I'm a little nervous now. I just get, I just get a, this weird feeling. Because she knows to, your name. She knows where you live. You yes, were very gracious yes. enough to say the word Hughes well, to her. So prior to that, 
I had told my dad what I, I did, and he got extremely angry at me. And he said to me, listen, you don't know this woman. You don't, you don't know who she was. You think you're doing her a favor. She could have accused you for anything. So you should never do that again or whatever. So, so that was playing in my ear. And then I get this, um, my, my buzzer goes off in my apartment. And I get this sticky feeling, and I open my door, and I look down the hallway and there she is with her baby. And I walk to the door. I open it up and she goes, I have no place to go. Is it okay if I stay with you for a few days? And I said, no, I don't know who you are. And my girlfriend's going to be back pretty soon. And I, I, at that time, I didn't even have a girlfriend. But I just made something up and I go, you can't, I can't have you staying at my apartment. And I didn't even wait for an answer. I just shut the door. She sort of stood there looking at me as I shut the door. It locks. And I turned my back and walked back down the hallway. And then as I turned right to go back into my apartment, I looked down the hallway. She was just standing there with her kid. And it was the most frightening it was like something from a, a movie. And I was just like freaked out that whole night. You were freaked out wondering if she was going to knock again and try to yes. find you? Yes, but she never did. And that, was, that was the end of it. Was there any parallel universe reality where you possibly in some way could have said yes to this person? No, no, no. No, I so just, it was an instant no. It was an instant no. The whole story is mystifying to me. I don't know what made you say yes in the beginning because you didn't need your dad to tell you it was dangerous. You know it's dangerous. I knew it was dangerous. But at the same time, it was like, you know, she had a kid. It was raining. It seemed like the, the right thing to do to help someone out. But I vowed to myself I would never do that again, ever. In a million years, I would never do that. Okay, this is us two weeks later. Note number one, hitchhiker. Okay, David had some issue. In fact, I edited out him going, wait, she wasn't a hit, she wasn't a hit, and then telling the story. You have an issue with the... Yeah, I have... I have or the term hitchhiker. Yeah, yeah, I have an issue because it sounds like I'm driving around picking up hitchhikers, and that's not what I do. That's not what I'm doing. I see it as uh, being almost like a a modern-day superhero helping someone in need. And there were these people who who, who needed help. That's the way I view it. And every time you say, okay, David picked up a hitchhiker, just sort of dumbs it down, and I just don't like the way it sounds. That makes sense. (laughs) I have such a desire to joke right now, but I want to treat it with respect. That's okay. It feels like... Hey, this is going to be great. David picks up a hitchhiker. No, that's not what I did. I was approached by two women who were desperate and needed help. And I happened to be there and I helped them. I saved the day. All right. And you're letting everybody know. I'm letting everyone know. No, you're letting everybody know that there's two because that's the next note. But that's cool. We'll just leave this in. They're going to be like, what? I I would would say, you know, of course. Marshall, I vowed to my dad never to do this again because 
they could accuse me of anything. They could have said I did something. And and I, I promised my dad to never do that again. And by whatever circumstance, I'm at a gas station. And should I just go into the story, Marshall? Well, you didn't let me comment on the phrase hitchhiker, so it's up to you. No, are you, no, go. Are you feeling? No, go, go, go to the hitchhiker. Well, I understand what you mean, David. It's a, I understand. It wasn't a hitchhiker. And, it, it, there was no uh, one standing by the side of the road with their thumb up going, you know, <laughs> th- thumbing car after car after car. You know, I happen to be at the right place at the right time for them or the right place at the wrong time for me. I don't know what it was. But I okay. I did a, a heroic thing and I helped two women out. <laughs> That's the way I see it. I'm not saying you're wrong. I think you might have been the good Samaritan. But the reason I, I wanted to I, joke is you because that, do you remember? Pardon me for interrupting. You remember uh, um, Die Hard? I don't know which one it was. It was the one with Samuel L. Jackson in it. Oh, that was the phone keeps ringing over in the, in this park and that park in the movie. Jeremy Irons, like so, Samuel L. Jackson somehow gets wrapped up into this this game that Bruce Willis's character is playing with the the terrorist. I think it's I think the name of the game is Scavenger Hunt. Go on, right? And and the, and the terrorist keeps calling uh, Samuel L. Jackson the Good Samaritan. Okay, it's you and the Samaritan, or the Good Samaritan. Yes, that's what I was. I was the, the Good Samaritan. Okay, so you were the Good Samaritan. I'm not disputing that, and I understand that your issue is with why, the term. And in your why am version, I getting so defensive? Go, like I don't. <laughs> why? What is going on with are, me? Why are you? No, in all seriousness, why are you? Why are you? I don't know. If you did know, why? What makes you defensive about this? Because I don't go around picking up strange people that I don't know. That's it. Except twice. Except twice. (laughs) I understand. I know the optics. I know we're all picturing the person with the cutoff shorts and the duffel bag, and they've got their thumb. However, technically, this is a person who approached a stranger and asked for a ride. Isn't that what a hitchhiker is? Wait a second. Let's back up. We're already two. We're already two weeks later. Two weeks ago, we're backing up again. These poor people. Okay, go wait ahead. a second. Back the up. optics are these are bad optics. Let me reset. Let me let me reset for everyone. First person, rainy night, with a child pushing a child in a stroller in the night, in rain, and she's caught late at her friend's house, and she needs a ride to a bus stop. That's one. Person number two, which we haven't even started to discuss yet, but I'll go right into it. I'm on my way to work. It's a beautiful day. I'm getting gas in my car right next to a, uh, what do you call it, a covered bus stop. Oh, we, we're, we're very familiar of, about the, Wait a second. the last story, but go ahead. <laughs> Wait a second. Bus stop with other people standing there. I'm, I'm, getting, I'm filling up my gas tank. I, I get a tap on the shoulder. I turn around, and it's a woman saying, "Excuse me, you look like I don't normally do this, but you look like someone I could trust." I'm late for my job. I just started. This job is very important to me. I don't want to get fired or written up. It's just down the street, a few miles. Do you mind if you're going that way, dropping me off at work? And I say to them, 
like I said to the the other person who did this, what you're doing is very dangerous. And she said to me, like the other person, this is why I'm telling the story, which is an odd, almost verbatim. She goes, you look like a nice person. You almost have a glow around you. And you look like someone I could trust. That's the only reason I, I'm doing this. And now I hear my... Now, I hear my dad's voice in my head saying, never pick up anyone. You never know what they're going to say or do, you know. And what did I do? I said, get in. I'll take you. It's just down the road. She goes, you don't even have to. It's like a few miles down straight shot. And I, she got in the car. Pause, pause. So she's getting in the car. This is an appropriate place to pause. When she used the exact same phrase on you, the exact same phrase. Did you have any, this is sus, any like red flag, any alarm not only, go off? Did you think? Not only didn't I, I did not, what I, I had the opposite. I felt like the, the bat signal had been turned on and she saw who I was. I was, she, she saw through my disguise, my Clark Kent or whatever disguise. And she said, this is a, this is a superhero. You can cut that out. Marshall and no I don't wa- I don't want to <laughs> and I could in and fact he's, I want to he's a, he, yeah. he, he's he's a superhero and I could I could see it just like the other woman could see it or whatever she I, I could tell that he's going to help me out and what did I do I helped her out I was in a workshop in Toronto with Rick and my friend Mark and as we're meditating or doing, I can't remember. It wasn't, it was some practice. I, I don't know if it was, I don't know. But it was quiet in the room. And I heard a woman scream. And we're supposed to be meditating or something. It's supposed to be a silent contemplation. I don't know. And I heard her scream a second time. And then, and I'm already halfway out of my seat. Everybody's sitting there meditating, meditating, and a woman is screaming. And I heard the third scream. It was the middle of Toronto, you know. I ran down the stairs and ran outside. And it was just some kids goofing around. I'm combining two stories. At that time, my friend Rick was amazed. And then we sat at a caribou. It used to be in on the corner in Royal Oak near like 11 in Maine. And it happened again. A girl screamed. And I got up to move. He said, look at you. You run toward the scream. My instinct is to run away. So I, I relate. That's why I told you that story, and it works in perfectly. I relate, David. I relate to being a good Samaritan. But you know what? If I'm watching a B-horror movie with Harvey Keitel playing the sick, twisted guy, you know what you're doing is dangerous. And they still get in the car. You're, t- you're, you're presenting them with, I could hurt you. And they still get... Does, do you think they feel safer because you're speaking to that possibility you ask me do i do i think they feel nervous that i bring that up i think just the opposite i think they feel even first of all i don't know what they feel but i was hoping they would what they would feel was well this this guy understands what i'm doing is a risk and he's warning me about doing this sort of thing with strangers oh gosh i don't know i don't don't know if i i'd have to go back to that that person, I don't know. I just was warning them. You're lucky that you're get like you're lucky that you're getting me. Then 
some other person. I don't know. I'd have to really think about it. I'd have to really. Well, that's that's why as you're contemplating, what do you think a, a person with with ill intent? What do you think they say to to lure a person into their car? Don't you think they might say, "Hey, this is dangerous. You could get hurt out here. Let me. You'll be safe with me. Cop in." But man, you got to be careful. I I don't know. I don't know. May, may, I don't know. I have no idea. I mean, they got in, so your your version must be the the, the version that was true for your story, because they got in the car. Yeah, both of them. They got in the car. All right. Other people may not be as interested with this part of the story as as me. So, back in the car we go. She climbs into the car. There's very little talking. I said, "Where where is this place?" She goes straight up the street. She gives me an address, and as I'm driving. She she's telling me to slow down. It's coming up. I slow down and I I pull into the. She goes. It's right here. I pull in. No alley. No no, no alley. alley this <laughs> no time. alley. It's an it's an it's the morning. I'm I'm on my way to work, and it's a beautiful day. It's just a beautiful day, and I pull in into the parking lot of the building. She thanks me very very much. I say to her again, "You can't. This is what you're doing is dangerous. You should you know." really double think what you're doing or whatever. And she goes, I never do that, but you look like a nice person. And that was it. And then I, she got out and I was like, I'm never telling my dad what I just did. Cause he would just be furious. Now, do you think there was any defiance? <sighs> um, because of what I did? Yeah. Like I know better than you, dad. I know when somebody's in distress, <sighs> I think you said it's a person, you, you have an issue with the, term hitchhiker it's a, a human in distress what did you say a person yeah. in distress i know i felt like i protected someone i i did something good that's what i felt like i helped something someone out who needed it and i felt good about it okay so so had your father had you come home and your father had said i'm proud of you son you helped out a, a, a somebody who needed help what if he had said, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for taking care of that person. Do you think you would have kept doing it? You're using the word kept doing it. it it's never happened to me again. That was almost 30 years ago. Both, both of them happened close, close to, to each, each other? other? Yes. Yes. So it, was it a period of time where you wanted to rescue women? Well, you're going to have to cut that out, Marshall. Jeez, what is... No, I, I was just like... <laughs> I will cut it out. I'm shocked that you wanted me to. But I okay. want to rescue. I'm just asking, like, well, you only, it only happened twice. Did, did you stop because of your dad? No, I, I stopped. You just told me you just told me you felt like a superhero. What made you want to stop feeling like a superhero? No, it it never happened again. I think it just never happened. It it never was presented to me again. Oh right, because they're approaching yes. you. You're not driving Thank around you. looking to That's help people. That's how the people. story is different. I'm not looking around with a red cape on. That is different, David. That yes. is different. That that this has to go in. You're painting me as this guy that like is is out at midnight going around looking for damsels in distress. <laughs> I am. I am. Thank you. Like so the, thank okay. you. Uh, okay. I, I want the listeners to know. Like, no wonder we were there was a disconnect with us. I was like, what is he talking about? Okay, but let, let, let me now add this in. Let me add. Yeah, this you in. add this in. We got to see some of the great movies when we were little kids. Probably not age appropriate, oh, not at no. all. The Sting was one of the great ones. In The Sting, the first one I remember, some guy he attacks Robert Redford 
and Robert Redford fights back and, and he grabs at the guy and the guy drops his wallet. I think this is from memory. And another guy runs up and says, did you see that? That guy grabbed, uh, that guy dropped his wallet and there's like thousands of dollars in there. Do you remember this scene? No, no. And they're like, well, what do we do? Should we give it back? The, I think the other guy said, well, he's going to come back for it. I mean, I, don't, I, I, mean I, don't, we, I guess we could keep it. He seemed like a bad guy. He was about to hurt that guy. Well, I'll tell you what. You do this. You run to my guy who did. So and he, he ends up, he says, let's put both of our wallets all in one place so that you know it's fair. Here, here's all, all my stuff. Stick it down your pants. And you run down the streets of this thing. And the guy runs. And when he finally gets where he's going, it's just this big wad of paper. And Robert Redford and this other guy had, had conned this guy. So when someone's trying to con you, they will insert themselves into your reality. Whoa, and that's what these that's two... great. Yeah, now you understand my point. That's what these two people did. Yeah. But on the other hand, I value intuition. And your gut didn't go off. No, no. Has your gut gone off before? I'm quiet because I'm thinking. That's my idea. It's not really. It's David's, but I stole <laughs> it because he's stolen so many of my ideas in his life. Uh, has, it, has it ever gone off? I'm quiet. I'm talking about I'm quiet because I'm thinking. Has it ever gone off? Has a, has a like, con gone off? I could argue that when I thought I was helping out that woman who had her daughter and she was in the rain and I gave her a ride to her place. And then she came back, she came back saying she needed a place to stay. That felt like a con. And I said, no, you know, so my, my warning went off at that point when she wanted to, like you said, insert herself into my situation or whatever she came back when she came to the the door to my apartment saying she had nowhere to go could she stay and i said oh no no that you know and i shut the door on her that time there was a uh -uh, something's wrong here yeah okay this is the final question on that topic on this podcast you state but I vowed to never do it again, never, not in a million years. And then you did it again. What made you change your vow? And you forgot about it on the show. That's fine. You forgot. But what made you change your vow in that moment? I, I felt like she saw, I think, I want to be honest here. She tapped me on my shoulder. I turned around and she said, you, you had a glow around you. Or you seemed like you were. You seemed. You seemed like a nice person, and you. And I would never approach anyone, but you. You seemed like a very nice person, someone I could trust. You had a glow around you, and I felt yes, yeah. They they see who I am. She saw who I am, and I'm going to help. You know, I think that I felt like seen. I was going to guess scene. David, I empathize with you, and now I back you 100%. Now I've come to your reality. On that other episode, you're like, now how are you going to get me to turn this around? Now I'm at your reality. Here's my story. It's Heather. And uh, when we, because we met online, 
when we first met and she closed her eyes, opened the door. This was my thought. You trusted the right yes. person. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. And this is why I wanted I've from the moment I met you, I wanted to be your friend. Because I, I believe we are both trustworthy human beings. It, other people can can feel safe around us. We mean other people no harm. Right. Yeah. I got it now. Now I get it. And if it had been a different woman who had an agenda or like the woman started to have an agenda, who knows? It could have been that her, she broke up with her boyfriend and she truly had no place to go and you seemed like a nice guy. But that's not how you meet somebody. That's not how you – real. like you don't know me, lady. Just like you didn't know me, like I, no, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not an idiot. Yeah, you didn't feel. You didn't feel seen no. in that moment. I remember walking. Oh my god, walking back down that hallway, and then turning to the right. I could. I could still remember that little apartment I had. Turning to the right to go into my apartment, and I was saying to myself, "I'm not going to look back." I was. I felt like I was moving in slow motion. It's like, I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to look back. And then I have to turn right to go into my apartment. And I turned right, and I was like, she's probably gone. And I looked, just glanced. As I'm telling you the story, I'm doing, I'm reenact. I glanced over my right shoulder, and there she was. She was still standing in that door with with her child. And I walked into my apartment, and I was just like, uh, scare. I was like, wow, that's crazy. I was like, that is insane. And then uh, what I didn't tell you, I get back to my apartment. I'm in my apartment now. And uh, I can't concentrate on my work now because I was just and I I sat there and it was like, it felt like three hours had passed. And I was like, I'm going to go exit my apartment and look back down the hallway to see if she's still there. Like, what if she's just camped out? So I opened my eyes. I was like, scared to death. My heart was like pounding out of my chest. You know, it was like, because I was just thinking, I was like, I'm going to have to tell my dad, you know, like this is. And I opened up my apartment door. I go, she must be sitting in the. Well, you, you can walk into the apartment. Then there are all the buzzers, the ring apartments, but the door is locked into the apartment complex. And then I opened the door and I walked out and I turned left to look down the hallway and she, there, no one was there. And I was like, thank God, thank God. But every, like for a week after that, I kept thinking like, I wonder if my buzzer's going to ring, you know, and it never did. And I never saw her again. I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's, you're talking about trauma. I mean, you said it felt like time slowed down and often in traumatic events, it feels that way. And, and then you're thinking about it for days afterwards. It's scary. I have two more questions. One is her eyes. When you looked down that hallway and you glanced over your right shoulder and she was, she was still at the door. Was she staring at you? Yes. Could she it's see a, you? It was a long, it's a long hallway, but I'm sure she saw me. Yeah, I'm sure. She just was just standing there. That's very sad. Like she had no place to go. Yeah. Like she had no place to go. So she was probably once again, Telling the truth. You're just not that good of a Samaritan. I'm not that good of a Samaritan. I think that's our title right there. <laughs> I'm not the superhero that I thought I was. Well, every superhero has kryptonite. And I think the kryptonite <laughs> was, please let me and my kid move Yeah, I think that's the kryptonite. <laughs> okay, so let me ask you this. What if that had been a man at the, at the bus stop or, or that needed a lift to the bus stop? What if that had been a man? Would you have given them a ride? 
I doubt if I would have picked up a man. I doubt it. It just is about like, you know, all of a sudden I, I'm in a hand-to-hand combat with a guy. And like, I just, it's, it's not, it's not my first inclination to like, <laughs> like I'm grabbing a knife. They're trying to stab me and I'm trying to drive with my knees. Suddenly we're right back in Die Hard. You are Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> uh, okay. Let me just text Heather. Okay. Okay, honey, please be careful. Look what I'm writing. Please be careful. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Um, what was the last note? Oh, you said, and then I'd have to tell my dad. So you would have gone home and told your dad, even when he told you never do yeah, that again. Cause my dad, like, because I, I, he's just, he always had answers. He seemed to always have the answers when I was in trouble. He, he was always calm. I would just go to him and he would go, well, here's what you're going to do. You know? So I, I was fearful that I was going to be like, I got the stalker now, you know? No, I'm talking about the second girl. Did he? Did you ever tell him about the second oh, girl? No, never, never. So after he told you, you defied him, but you didn't tell him. I didn't tell him. What was that like to keep that in? Oh, it was it was easy. <laughs> it was easy. <laughs> yeah, God. Yeah, it was no problem at all. Because you completely disagreed. He didn't know you in that area. You knew yourself. You're like, I know. I know when somebody's yeah. safe. I know. You, you, you had your yes. radar detector going. Okay. So a day after we recorded that, you call me. And you say, you know, Marshall, there's something that you said. You were in a, like, when I just told you the story, you, uh, you were like, hey, uh, we'll, we'll talk later. I got to run to a meeting or you were running to an appointment or whatever. You were, you were in a rush. And then maybe it was four minutes later, you call me and I see your name come up on my phone. And I was like, what's this about? I thought he was running to a meeting. And I pick up and you, you were in a calm voice, not like you were in a hurry at all. You said, hey, I just have to ask you this question. The, the ride you gave to that woman, what were you expecting? And I couldn't, I was speechless. So it was like, I, it haunted me. What was I expecting from that ride that I gave her? I My hypothesis is that you weren't expecting anything. Now that I understand you, now that we got through this conversation yeah. where I understand your reality, you got what you were expecting in the very opening of the conversation, which is when both yes. of these human beings said, you have, you have a glow around you. You felt seen. You got what you wanted. Yes. The, their picker was right. They were right. They were right. They were right. I was like, yes, your intuition was correct. You picked the right person. You were waiting for someone to see that you were a superhero. And these two, these two human beings saw that <laughs> you were saw, a superhero. They saw it. <laughs> Which reminds me quickly. So my friend Tom is a teacher in the Ann Arbor school system. <laughs> I'm smiling because I remember this. Story. I, hope, I hope he remembers it. And he had a kid come up to him once and say, Mr. Claxon, Mr. Claxon, <laughs> I know your secret. I know you're Superman. Wow. What? I know you're Superman. And Tom looked at him like, wait a minute. He says, don't worry. This little kid, I think he teaches like third grade. Don't worry. I won't tell anyone. So that's what happened to you. Oh, that's a Someone great story. Someone found out you were a superhero. And, and they, they kept the secret. They rode to their destination. They got out. They're like, 
Well, thank goodness, Batman really exists. <laughs> right. They picked the right person. Their, their picker was correct. Their picker was correct. Open up your mind. Open up your mind. Open up your mind.